For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Jay. I'm editor of TheEaglesBeak.com, a Palace fan site. You can catch us on Twitter at TheEaglesBeak. And I'm also working on a local community football radio show called Back of the Net. And you can catch us on um, Twitter uh, through at underscore Back of the Net underscore. Hello, I'm Dan from West Orange Albion Stats and Facts Twitter account, Baggies Facts. Formerly the website, soon to be back up and running in about three years' time. So you can find me there or you can find me um, at the Watts 22 on Twitter. Cheers. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, we'll start off with Jay. Obviously, you have not played yet, but what's the news out of Selhurst this week? Yeah, it's another Monday night game for us, and we know how well the last Monday night game went for us, so I'm not quite sure what to think of uh, tomorrow night, but we'll we'll see how that works out. We're travelling to Everton, um, so it's it's a fixture that we've predominantly been lucky with the last couple of years, so we'll see how that works out. At the moment at Palace, we're kind of waiting for the investment to take place. It, it, it's on the fringes. The American, a couple of Americans uh, are, are looking to take a, a, a share in the club, which would be interesting. Uh, Rumoured to be pumping a, a fair bit of money into the club to help us uh, renovate the stadium, which which would be much needed, um, be very welcome, and also to put some money into the academy as well. So it will be money well spent, I think, but we're still waiting for you know the, 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 the T's to be crossed and the I's to be dotted, really. So I'm guessing that'll probably happen by the end of December, but there's a lot of uh, you know things going around. Just wait and see. You know, It's more a case of it's going to happen rather than um, uh, than not. So that, that'd be interesting. Um, also today, the Palace ladies... Um, Fantastic playing, fantastic this year. Top of their division. Um, they've only uh, they haven't lost a game in the league. Only drawn one game, so they're walking their division. There, they're two tiers below the women's super league at the moment. So they're they're really making waves in the lower leagues, which is fantastic to see. Um, they won in the FA Cup today away from home against uh, one of their rivals in their division, actually uh, MK Dons, who they beat four 0 So um, fair play to them. Just a quick mention to them as well. And um, and obviously we're looking forward to the game tomorrow night um, at Everton. So. Uh, uh, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later on. All right, and in the uh, midst of all the manager controversies going on, you still very pleased with what you have going there? Oh, for Palace, for sure. I mean, it was quite funny seeing um, some comments in the week, actually, particularly yesterday, some Man United 
fans were suggesting Pardew should take over from Van Gaal, which, uh, uh, which you know, which which is a bold statement, I guess. But it, I guess that says a lot about the feeling of the fans towards Van Gaal at the moment. Which for me, it sounds a bit ridiculous because they're still, you know, still chasing the title. Nobody seems to want to win the title this season, so they're still in with a shout, even though they are playing um, not quite exciting football as they would like to expect at United. But you know, the other thing is that uh, that there is a lot of rumours going around that Pardew is interested in the England job, but only short term and. Um, perhaps the FA would be looking something a bit more long term once Hodgson's moved on. So certainly don't want to lose Pardew. He's, he's worked wonders with us. He's inherited a decent squad of players when he when he came in. At, to, to be fair, um, but he's actually made some astute signings since he's come in, and he's actually you know getting some decent results. I mean, I think the the only example of what he can do is that we had a terrible loss to Sunderland the other Monday night. Followed that up with a a five one thrash in Newcastle the Saturday after. So you know not to leave things um, you, you know ticking over too long in terms of negativity. You know really really um, get them working and to you know to show something in the next game which they which they really did. And obviously the manager can't take full credit for that. Players have to go out and do the job. Um, but yeah, I think I think managers do get a you know a, a fair slice of the uh, abuse sometimes when things go wrong. So I think you can give it to them the other way and, uh, and congratulate them when things do go right. So very happy parties obviously one of our own you know, as a former player um, very successful when he was with us for a short time he was with us actually but um, yeah exceptionally happy with the management situation at the moment and hopefully it doesn't change in the near future yeah hopefully Pochettino not up for the England job either uh, Dan obviously yesterday uh, Tottenham played West Brom uh, we'll, we'll get your view on that first I feel that um, I'm assuming most of our listeners have watched the game um, or, or seen the highlights or, or kept in touch with, with how it went. But um, I think we, to be honest, I think we did enough just about to have to have got all three points. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't probably go as far as saying that Tottenham completely didn't deserve a point, but I think we did enough, especially in the last 20 minutes, because we were putting on the pressure. Um, the Hawthorns got a bit of atmosphere back and we were making a bit of noise and we were trying to, to you know, help suck that ball into, into the goal. Um, behind the goal in in the Brummy Road end, and we just ah, so close. I mean, that save from uh, Hugo Lloris from yeah. Olsen was special, um, and also Rondon. If he hits that ball as it's played over first time, and I think the ball was from Gardner. If he hits that first time, to be honest, it's it's you know it may well keep the you know catch a keeper off guard, and he, and he's let it come over his shoulder and trying to, you know, wait for a ball to settle on the ground before hitting it. And it was a mistake. He should have really hit it. Um, but but Rondon's all-round game was was very good yesterday. Um, I feel that we did well with the fact that we, we you know, Sessegnon got injured fairly early on. Um, with Gardner replacing him. And, and Gardner did well, to be honest. Um, he wouldn't have been my first pick. I'd have preferred if McManaman would have come on in, in Sessegnon's place. Um, in terms of a goal we conceded early on, um, it, it was a bit of a tough one to take. Uh, it was a defence-splitting pass. It was a very good through ball, but you'd expect one of our defenders to have latched onto it before Delhi Ali did. But taking nothing away from Ali, he, he slotted the ball away. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, he, he, he did play quite well yesterday. Um, you probably won't be so chuffed with the overall Tottenham performance, Kev, but mm. I, I think that... You've got you've got to look at the potential of some of the players that you've got, and obviously I'm aware of of what Tottenham are doing and how well they're playing of late. But if that's them on an off day, then you know I think you're going to be fine. Um, for for the Albion, 
um, our equaliser, I think, was quite very much un-Pulis-esque of what we've been used to. We passed the ball around in midfield and got the ball out wide. Um, slipped in Fletcher, who whipped in a lovely ball. Um, and McLean was on the end of it. Um, shock. Yeah, it was it was a very nice team goal. And, and, you know, I think it was well-deserved. So, I'm taking more from the from the performance, really, than from the fact that we didn't get the win. So, you know, we've not lost. And, and Spurs, of course, I think he's in 14 games now unbeaten in the Premier League. So, yeah. to take a point for, from from Spurs, it's, it's, it's not... Um, it's not not a bad day at the office. So um, overall, happy with how things are going. The the Pulis out brigade are sort of quiet at the minute because we've we've picked up um, we've picked up five points from the last three games against Arsenal, West Ham, and Spurs. Um, and they're our first. All all five of those points have come from losing positions, um, which is something we hadn't managed until these games came along. So these are our first five points of the season that have come from losing position. So maybe that's showing a bit more tenacity, a bit more of a will to get back into a game when going behind. Um, we've only re- we've really struggled when we've conceded goals to get any points from games. Um, so the fact that we you know we are making the odd defensive mistake, but we're still fighting and staying in the game, that that can only be good and. Um, I think we used the ball quite well yesterday when we had it. So I mean, there's nothing really to to moan about for me. I'm I'm fairly happy with with how things are going. Um, it's key for stability and staying in the Premier League, and it's key that we we keep Tony Pulis going forward for me. Um, although not every Baggies fan will agree with what I'm saying. Um, before yeah, I'm, we... I was gonna Go ask you a question about that actually, which is. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you came on said that a lot of fans were starting to become disenfranchised with him after yeah. picking up these five points against London clubs. Is that kind of changing a little bit? Well, I'd say that there are those that have adamant, and probably to be fair to them, I've got there's a, a good friend of mine um, who I go at the games with wasn't happy day one, and and you know that's fair enough if. If you've had that opinion from the start and you really didn't want Pulis, he still doesn't want Pulis. But to be fair to him, he'll back the team and he'll get behind the club. Whereas I don't like it when when people will start booing, um, people start getting upset during matches when there's no need to. You know, they're, they're working their socks off the club. I mean, the players are rather. So you know, there's no lack of effort at all. And sometimes we may be lacking slightly in terms of quality and. And Pulis probably knows this, and and we're probably still going through that transition. It might be taking a bit of a longer period of time um, of getting the players that we that Pulis wants that, that are going to turn us into a team that can dominate for longer spells in matches. Um, but in terms, of, if you, if if you look at results purely the numbers, um, this is the second best we've performed in in any Premier League season at this stage after fifteen games. Um, the only one that betters is is, is when um, Steve Clark had that brilliant start. I think it was three or four years back. So there's, you know, in terms of how we're doing and positions and and, and how the club's performing, you you can't you can't complain at all. You, there's there's nothing to to say. But in terms of in terms of performances, you can see why some are getting a bit upset sometimes. But I don't think there's touch wood any danger of us getting relegated under the current regime and that's that's a, the big positive in all of it yeah uh you you covered most of uh the tottenham bits pretty well yourself um 
I just want to say before we move on to Spurs, sorry, I just want to say, isn't it a shame Aston Villa, they're struggling again. Um, Bournemouth and Newcastle have gone and got victories. They're looking dead and gone and I'm Mm. absolutely chuffed. Sorry, Kev, I just had to throw away. (laughs) Yeah, we'll touch on a couple of their signings later on in the show. Uh, But yeah, it was also a very interesting uh, day for Tottenham, well, match week in so much as at the time, uh, most fans were pretty upset that, that we performed so poorly. But now having seen the match week come just about to a close, obviously still waiting on uh, the Crystal Palace-Everton match, but having seen Liverpool, United, Chelsea, and City all drop points makes uh, uh, the point we earned against you look very good indeed, especially considering you had already beaten Arsenal. Um, so uh, from a large scale standpoint i don't think it was nearly as bad as some fans reacted um because they were reacting to the result instead of the performance as you mentioned we had an awful performance uh you watch the baggies more than i do so i don't know what percentage of that was how you set up versus us versus how we typically perform uh but obviously a lot of the the passing lanes were closed up there were a lot of men behind the ball a lot of the time and you did it very well and when it came time to put subs on, we went for pace instead of passing ability, which I think was the wrong way to go, considering you were giving us two-thirds of the pitch to run. That wasn't the problem. It was breaking down, you know, getting that final pass in um, that we were not able to do. Obviously, the best pass of the match for us being a 49-yard bomb from uh, Toby Alderweireld right to Del Ali in the box. Uh, we just decided to kind of forego that whole uh, defensive setup on that one. Uh, you spoke about Rondon's chance that came over the shoulder that he should have taken for first time. Harry Kane had a very similar chance at the other side of the pitch um, yeah. where he kind of like fumbled it. I, I still don't know how that he, – he didn't even make contact with it. And I still don't know how if the defender's foot got in there or what. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think a draw is <laughs> – from that performance is a very positive thing for Tottenham. Because, as I said, the performance, not very good. Uh, Erickson was marked out of the match. Early on, you, you kind of out-muscled him on the left flank and pushed him up against the sideline. So pretty much from the 30th minute onward, all he did was pass it back or in. He never think, really tried to get those darting runs inside. Hmm. I think if, if you look at your performance, um, you're, you also have to take into account how well Johnny Evans played in a defensive midfield role. But he's, yeah. not, used to, he's, not, used to, he's not used to playing there. Well, um, we're used to it because we have Eric Dyer playing defensive midfield. Well, that's it. But I think I think the point is it was a before kickoff. I did think well, it's a bit of a strange one. But but then obviously with Tony Pulis, you, you half expect six seven defenders on the pitch anyway. So you, you know it, it was a very smart move, and he's not bad on the ball at all. And he played he played it like like he did it every week and so there's absolutely to be honest he's, he's been the sign of the season for a baggy so far and um i think we did a, a really good job of keeping you at, uh, keeping you at bay for most of most part i mean like you say you, you, did, you did try and pass it around us and we were just closed off everything there was and of course we'll let you have the ball for 70 percent of a pitch but then as soon as you try and get close to our goal that you know there's, there's not much room to manoeuvre at all, is there? I suppose so. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we can both say we're probably half pleased with a point, eh? Yeah, exactly. I'm pleased with the result. Obviously, not with the performance so much. Uh, you did mention the Albion goal, which the cross was good and the header was good, but I think there are probably about three points in that move 
where it could have been stopped and it wasn't. Dyer didn't close down. Uh, who, who was it that put in the cross? For our goal. Mm, Fletcher? Yeah, it was it was Fletcher yeah, on the other. Yeah, one. yeah. Dyer didn't close him down. Kyle Walker let him get in front of him. I mean, none of these are issues if the cross isn't great and the header isn't great. Um, but you would hope that we'd be able to deflect that. But this is what happens every week with us: is we just seem incapable of playing solid defense for for any more than about seventy-five to eighty minutes per match. And there are always going to be one or two mistakes. Not saying those were explicitly mistakes, but one or two things that go against us in terms of trying to keep clean sheets. And it, it could end up kind of being our undoing come the end of the season, which sounds dire, but um, it's because seeing how the other teams are performing and how we've been performing, you go 14 matches unbeaten and it's hard to not start thinking top four. I keep saying that it should have been the expectation for next year, not this year, but we are around there again in the winter again, obviously uh, FA Cup and Europa League going to return uh, in January and February, respectively. So uh, the, these are the kinds of ones where you're like, y- it would have been great if we could have picked up more points. But as I mentioned, Arsenal, I'm sure, would have been hoping to get three points and got none. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I just talked for an extra five minutes after you said we're both pleased with a point. But yeah, we are. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. All right, and so now we are going to head on to the topic, which is something that Seifu and I had been talking about a little bit recently, which was reminiscing over the year when Soldado became awful, Falcao wasn't good anymore, uh, Fernando Torres started to struggle, uh, and these were all in the Premier League, and everyone was asking, how is this happening? And then it kind of seemed to cease. A lot of Premier League strikers are doing very well, a lot of them up and coming, seeing what Jamie Vardy's just done. I know he only got an assist at the weekend, so he's awful now. Uh, <laughs> had that incredible streak coming into it. Harry Kane seems to be refinding re- form despite facing two uh, difficult defenses the past couple of weeks. Uh, but now what we're starting to see is midfielders that are really struggling, most notably Cesc Fabregas and his 18-plus assists last year. Gilfie Sigurdsson was kind of the, the cream of the crop in terms of those kind of mid-table to, to lower-table clubs. He was absolutely brilliant. And neither of them can really get anything going right now. Uh, do you know why this is happening, or, or what do you think is the cause of it? And could it be that, that they're foreign players, despite the fact that all of them have Premier League experience? It's a very strange thing, and genuinely interested to hear why you guys think that this happens, and at different positions. It's a tough one, isn't it? I think midfielders, predominantly the last few years, have 
become more under pressure because teams don't seem to play two strikers anymore up front, um, apart from Leicester seem to do it. Um, but a majority of teams play a formation which just means you know, you've got a sole striker. Uh, which means that you've got to play more midfielders uh, across the middle. It's difficult to to actually pinpoint a reason why it might be. Some some reasons could be a change of manager, change of system, um, change of clubs. Even I mean, you know, you just look at. I mean, Torres was great at Liverpool um, and not so great at Chelsea. It just did, maybe just didn't fit into their system or didn't like the way they train or whichever whichever it was. It's it's so there's so many possible reasons it you know it it could be i think we we spoke before the show and you're predominantly talking about foreign players here but i don't think it's just foreign players i think you know we've suffered very similar with jason punch and he he has a very peculiar um form pattern in that he seems to have a terrible first half of the season and the second half of the season he's brilliant i mean i think last season he he literally had one one assist and no goals um before christmas after christmas he managed seven goals and five assists um, and it's and, and it's clear the stats are very similar in in the previous couple of seasons since he's been with us. So, um, yeah, it's not just foreign players. I think a lot of players go through different spells in form. I think particularly midfielders. I, I suppose strikers go through periods where they're not going to you know hit the net. But I think the Soldado one is is quite interesting because. I think when he played in Spain, he played as as one of two frontmen, whereas at Spurs, yeah, it, just, Jonas, it just yeah, yeah it, it just wasn't the case. And I think. You know, why would you bring a player in to try and fit into a formation that he doesn't currently play? It just seems just seems a bit odd to me. I mean, if he plays as one of two strikers, then surely you want to play him as one of two strikers. Um, but again, like I say, change of manage- management, change of coaches, it could, it's so many different reasons. But it's a really it's a really interesting point. I, you mentioned Sigurdsson as well. I watched him play. I watched the game yesterday, uh, the Swansea game, and. Um, I think he's unlucky. I think he hit a crossbar once as well from a, from an effort. But he looks he looks a real you know shadow of his former self. He really does. But yeah, players do uh, you know do suffer and, and and kind of get over that and come back. But I think he's in a struggling Swansea side, and it's it's a side that are crying out for somebody to get hold of them, bit of skill, bit of quality. Um, but it's just not happening. It seems to be affecting the whole side. So um, yeah, it's it's a real tough one. I'd be interested to hear what Dan Dan has to say on it actually, because it's uh, it's hard to pinpoint you know uh, a a particular reason for for a group of players. And a Fabregas one is is a great one as well. But obviously Chelsea are struggling as well. So um, yeah, it's it's really hard to um, you know to pinpoint really. Fabregas and, and Sigurdsson. If you both look at their particular form and and the team's form as well, um, there has to be some sort of correlation because they're both massive key cogs in the teams that they play for. Um, and of course, Chelsea got some flair players as well that, that are of course brilliant who are not performing. But you know, it's it, it's it is a, it is a bit of a bit of a, a strange one as to why that they're not performing I'm not sure if there's any specific reason for it um, Have you got any at West Brom Dan? I'm, I, I wouldn't say that we have to be honest that have really fell off I mean we haven't got a squad full of superb players anyway that are going to ever fall off to be honest <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, would you say, would you say Berahino is in a similar situation, or is that just is that something else? I'd say that Berahino is too young, I think, to to have had a drop off in form because he's still developing. But it, maybe attitude has something to do with it. 
Um, I mean, the, the the players that you mentioned before with with Torres and and Falcao, they seem to have. It doesn't even seem to have been like a gradual drop off. It was almost like a complete change. I mean, mm. if you look at Torres from when he went from Liverpool to Chelsea, now at Liverpool he could do absolutely no wrongs to the mm. point where Chelsea would happily pay fifty million pounds for him. Now. He's gone to Chelsea and, and the environment may be different and, you know, the players around him might not read his game quite so well. And it's it's good saying that in hindsight, but, you know, would these players have gone and, and looked for football elsewhere if... if um, I mean, Falco, uh, at Atletico Madrid, he was, he was like probably the third best player in the world, weren't he, three seasons ago. Mm. He was absolutely phenomenal. And then he moves to Manchester. Well, he moved to Monaco, didn't he, for for a, uh, a brief spell, and he was a bit mm. injured. And yeah, that but, bad knee injury, didn't he? So, yeah, I, 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 and, I, and I, but I mean, you know, that's that is is it an impact on environment? Um, it's it's a it's a real tough one to to real to really like pinpoint. But you know, I, I think that these players as well that they're, they're not at an age really where they should be falling off. You know, uh, players of that level can usually go on, you know, until they're, you know, 33, 34, 35. Mm. I mean, if you look at if you look at some midfielders that played in similar positions, like with with Fabregas, if if you compare that with maybe Lampard and and Gerrard, how good they were and how well how good they still are, pretty much, you know. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I just, I just don't know. Maybe it might be a temporary thing, what you mentioned with Fabregas, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit dumbfounded, really. I, you've picked up on a good topic, Kev, yeah. but um, I, I don't have the sporting intelligence to give you a definitive answer, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I'd be really interested to see. How, come the end of the season, how Vardy and Mares have got on um, because they're you know on a real hot streak. It have been since the season started, and obviously Mares got a hat trick yesterday. I mean they're, they're the two players in the Premier League at the moment that are really tearing things up, and it'd be interesting to see if they can continue that to the rest of the season. Because you know maybe it's unfair to say, but without those two players, where would Leicester be this season? I'm not saying that you know it's without that kind of form and without their performances so far. If one of them or both of them get injured or are out for any period of time, you kind of wonder how Leicester would, would be able to replace them. I don't think they are replaceable um, to a team such as you know such as Leicester, let alone a, a big side. I think what it does what it does point out maybe is is how big confidence is in mm. in the game of football because it doesn't it it doesn't you can have all the ability in the world right, but if you go onto a pitch on that football on that football game that particular day. And you're ninety five percent, and and you you might have a little niggly foot injury or knee injury or something that's been playing you up, or you've got maybe family issues or anything in the background, and, and you're not quite with it. That can have such an effect, mm. even you know, not not even consciously, even subconsciously, you doubt yourself maybe a little bit, and then you all it takes is for you to get into a, a run of form playing football. Where you've 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 not created a goal for four or five matches, you've not been involved as much as you'd like. Your passes are going astray, and I suppose you can get into a hole of of how am I going to get out of it? You know, there's been plenty of occasions where some brilliant, brilliant players have just lost their form and had to drop down to smaller teams, and mm. they've lost their way completely. So maybe it isn't 
you know, maybe confidence has, has got something to, to do with it. But watching Vardy, watching Vardy play is really refreshing because I know you know a lot of fans call him a lot of things, but it seems like somebody winds him up before a game. You know what? Those kids' toys, you just wind up and let it run across the table. <laughs> for for those ninety minutes, he just presses and harasses defenders, and I think he really wound up Ashley Williams yesterday. Um, but that's, he does it every game. It's just his game that he just runs and runs and chases everything down, and he, he just seems to be so positive about everything he does on a pitch and for me it's great to see an English player being like that on a pitch how long it lasts I don't know I hope it I really hope it lasts because it's great to see an English player being you know being like that um you know he's, there's going to be spells where he's you know going to have a drop in form or get injured and stuff like that but it's it's kind of a joy to watch him at the moment an English player doing that or any player in the Premier League doing that because you know he seems to be enjoying his football and he's you know he's full of confidence as well yeah, I think it is interesting. Uh, I I lent uh, uh, some stats here uh, to at least uh, pinpoint what is actually happening, which is both of both Fabregas and Sigurdsson, who are kind of the two that I'm going to highlight here, uh, are creating far few chances per match. Well, well, to be fair, that might be regression to the mean because we both we both all three of us know that Fabregas' the season last year was ridiculous in terms of assists. He was creating an assist, uh, just about one in every two matches, and Sigurdsson was one in every three. And right now, Fabregas is about one in ten, and Sigurdsson is one in thirteen. Um, <laughs> so obviously, the rate of both of those have dropped. And unfortunately, I think what you were alluding to there, Dan, is it's largely the eye test, which is very hard to quantify you just watch them and they're clearly struggling and as i've mentioned many times and kind of wanted to get this out when we didn't have Gitto on so we wouldn't have to sigh that i was bringing up sigurdsson again just like i'm sure you do dan every time we bring you on and use the that barahino word sorry barahino um, well done yeah um, but fabregas there was a like joke highlight reel of fabregas against tottenham and it was him misplacing like every ball he was seeing. Obviously, he didn't have a very good uh, match yesterday in Bournemouth's win against them. Sigurdsson looks a shadow of himself, but looks terrific for Iceland. And I'm not going to say single-handedly, but was a very large part of them qualifying for the Euros next year. And it's just a very strange thing for both of them to have rapidly dropped. If you look at both of their teams as a whole, which I think Jay mentioned... Both Swansea and Chelsea struggling greatly at the moment, although it looked like Chelsea had a dawn again, but false dawn it seems to be now. Uh, so is that a role? I know Ericsson often struggles. We've mentioned this many times on the pod recently, that Ericsson kind of rides the flow of the game, and if things are going well, he performs very well, but he isn't really going to change it himself. I'm not sure if that's really the case for Fabregas, on whom we have a massive track record to look back through and see that he is very capable of kind of changing matches single-handedly. But if players aren't making the right kind of runs or it's a little out of sync, it can very quickly disrupt a midfield who are trying to link passes together and create. I'd say in Sigurdsson's case, he's trying to force everything because he knows how good he should be and how much his team need him to be at that level, and he's just not, which is Soldado-esque, as they were both former Tottenham players. That's what happened with Soldado, is he scored all of those penalty goals. I think we opened the season with one against you, right, Jay? Was that the first match of the season? Um, Soldado scored that penalty? It was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
yeah, yeah, we were unlucky to lose that as well. But yeah, that was yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was. Um, oh yeah, that was the year when you got all of the penalties called against you. It was both of you because Dan, you had the one with Chelsea, and we had the Mariner uh, discussion. Anyway, this I'm just reminiscing in the middle of my bit here, but yeah, uh, move, it, it is that there. same kind of thing where they're top-notch players that were struggling and are now overcompensating, and it's not uh, the way for you to do it. You kind of have to let the game come to you as opposed to trying to force it, and I think both of them are very much struggling from that. I do think that them not being English plays a factor in so much as being English buys you a lot of time as a player before public perception changes. Like, Andros Townsend had two goals for England and one really good goal for Tottenham two years ago. And it took until now for Tottenham fans and other fans in general to realize that he's not anywhere near the level of a club like Tottenham. He's just not. And that's unfortunate. It's a very strange development, as Mauricio Pochettino has made every single one of our young players but him better, uh, which I think kind of isolates him. But he had such a long rope before we realized that. It's benefited a player like Ryan Mason, who we all thought would never be very good, but has gotten lots of time and has proved himself. When you have kind of these foreign players, even if they have played in the Premier League before, it doesn't take long for fans' perception to switch. And then that can flip that switch from playing their own game to trying to play well. And it, <laughs> that sounds weird, but you don't want to be trying too hard. You, you need to let the game come to you, especially in such creative players such as Fabregas and Sigurdsson. So I think that uh, the foreign thing does play a role. I think confidence is probably a large factor, as, as Dan mentioned there as well. But I, I think it just comes down to, to who else is... is going to help them out because they're both in situations where they're trying to make it happen and they need their teammates to, to just do it for them. At Chelsea, Willian has been on absolutely red-hot form and has done very little to help Chelsea's cause because no other players are really linking up. Hazard has started turning things around. Ivanovic looks like a footballer, so they're closer. Swansea just looked awful. And and this is another thing I was talking to Seifu about yesterday, because every week when I'm doing fantasy work, which of course is 70% what we do here, it's just Premier League analysis, and then you just add a little fantasy spin to it. <laughs> every week I watch Swansea be awful, and every midweek I think they'll be better the next week. And unfortunately for Gary Monk, I think a managerial change is what it will take. I think there comes a time when hearing the same voice in your ears every week telling you to do the same things and they just keep not working, it's just not going to work. I like Gary Monk. I like that he came from the club. I like that he was a center back for them and randomly in the middle of the season he was manager. It's a great story. And he proved to be very tactically efficient. I don't know if he's just been found out or if the players just aren't responding to to either his training methods or his motivational speeches. But... Uh, I think that that is a large part of what's going on at Swansea, and I think Chelsea will turn it around, and we'll see Fabregas turn it around potentially quicker, uh, as it does look like Chelsea are on the upward track, even though they kind of hit a skid this weekend, again, as I mentioned, against Bournemouth. I think you're essentially right, Kev, though. While we mentioned players, individual players that are not on form, not playing very well, end of the day, it is a team game, so you're having to rely on players around them to kind of dig them out of that hole 
hold or or help them get along or maybe a, maybe a spell on the touchline will help. But the the two examples you use there are both Fabregas and, and Sigurdsson who are who are both playing in struggling teams. I mean Swansea are on a downward spiral at the moment. They can't seem to get out get out of. And I think it'd be a shame for Gary Monk to go because it has been. You know, Swansea are a club that we, you know, us Palace and and fans alike, and, and myself, you know, I've I've said it before that you know we strive to be um, it's similar to a club like Swansea because of the way they've done things and how they are and how they approach the game. Because it's not always about the money, but obviously the money is a big part of the game. You know, it's it's a, it's a fan owned or fan yeah, fan owned club and, and and all the things that goes goes with that, but. It's 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 a shame to see them struggling because they are a decent club. But Chelsea as well, you mentioned, you know, they're struggling at the moment, and and whether Fabregat, whether it's a form of one player is is contributing to that, or is, if it's if it's a form of more than one player, which I, I would say, yeah, it's more a, play, a case of the latter that is more than just one player. It's not a, you know, I suppose, I was just going to say one man doesn't make a team, but then you look at you know teams like with Messi, and I mean, he could win a game <laughs> out of nothing, and you know, there are players that can do that on their day. Um, every team has them, but yeah, essentially, some of these players are in teams that are struggling, and you know, once they find their find their form again, they'll be okay, but for Fabregas, it seems to be lasting a little longer than we expected it to. Any last word there, Dan? Um, I've got nothing to add, really. I think we've covered pretty much all of it. Um, right, and uh, if you're listening to this and you have a, a good uh, reasoning, if, if you're either a Chelsea or a Swansea fan or just a fan in general that has a good beat on this, feel free to let us know because I think uh, all of us genuinely want to know what the heck is going on. Um uh, and so we will go uh, from there on to Player Watch, which will just be uh, Dan and I, since Jay hasn't played yet, and we'll wrap it up with a preview for his match against Everton. So, uh, Dan, who was a player that impressed and one who disappointed in your draw with us at the weekend? The player that impressed has to be James McLean. Um, scored his first goal for the club. And to be honest, if he hadn't have scored, I'd have still said James McLean. Um, he was absolutely fantastic um, in terms of work rate, which he always is. Um, and it's a solid base for, for any good player, you know, if, if you know, whether, whether you're good or not. Anyway, if, if, if you work, if you work bloody hard, then, you know, you'll, you'll get your rewards for it eventually. And the bloke takes stick every single week, pretty much off opposition fans. It weren't so bad, to be fair, against Spurs, but he gets a national anthem, the British national anthem sung at him every week, pretty much. And it gets a bit boring because, the people just haven't read into the reasons of why he refused to wear the poppy. But I actually wrote about it for um, for Jay's website, the Eagles Beak. So you can go and find that there if you want a bit of info on why McLean isn't the horriblest person alive. Um, but he's just, you know, he's he's been a revelation for us. He's cost us barely anything in terms of Premier League money um, from a League One club in, in Wigan. And he, he starts every week. He's, his end product's not always great, but... Um, I think the stat was that he's created 12 opportunities for, for um, his teammates this season, better by only one other Albion player. And in for, a, in for a team that's very defensive, you know, you, you can't turn your nose up at that stat. Um, so, yeah, and he worked, he, you know, in terms of tackling and fighting back and winning the ball back and turning the ball over. And he, he's just been, you know, absolutely, he's undroppable at the moment. So, yeah, um, has to be James McLean. Um, so I went on a bit there, didn't I? A bit of a James McLean loving. Um, and a player to miss 
would probably have been Olsen, but in the first half, I would say he pegged it back in the second half. He didn't really put much of a foot wrong, but in the first half, he was he, he couldn't pick a, another player out, to be honest. Absolutely unbelievable. He, he's, every single pass was going astray, but, you know, he's never he's never been that kind of player. He's just a brick wall, and he, he did his job on the day in the end, but yeah, if I had to pick one, it would probably have been uh, Olsen. All right, uh, yeah, for Tottenham, uh, a player that impressed. I, I do think Del Ali did very well, but that Alderweireld ball was just insane. Uh, but it has to go to Hugo Lloris, who save easily easily uh, preserved the draw for us when it could have been much worse. So uh, very pleased with Hugo's performance yet again. Uh, for a player that disappointed, I, I am going to go uh, with Christian Eriksen just because it, it seems like he has a difficult way fighting his way back into matches, and we need that from him in matches like this. Whereas I mentioned, you need a, a final pass, but he's already either checked out or other people have, have been this. Uh, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the other players don't seem as enthusiastic about making runs off the ball. And, and giving him people to pass to. I'm not really sure where the issue was there, but again, uh, him him failing to step up when we needed it the most. Uh, but, you know, could potentially be harsh in an overall very disappointing match. It was Dembele's worst match in a while as well. Um, and Lamela really didn't offer much in the first half either. So it was a pretty disappointing uh, performance all in all. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll still stick with Erickson for the time being. All right, Jay, uh, tomorrow or today, as you're listening to this, uh, what do you see uh, as how this Everton match will break down, especially considering uh, Wilfred Zaha will be missing out through yellow card accumulation? Yeah, unfortunately, he got booked uh, for a fifth time uh, in the game against um, Newcastle the weekend, which uh, last weekend, which was a real shame um, because he's been in great form. He really has. He's returned to um, the form we remembered of him before he went to United. Um, it's taken him a while to get over that. So hopefully, we we'll see more of him. Probably deserves a bit of a rest, but we're not in the uh, in the game to to rest players. So it's an enforced uh, rest for for Wilf. Unfortunately, but we do have the players. We're hoping Sacco is going to be back fit because he suffered a hamstring injury. Um, he came on as a substitute against Sunderland and and, and went off again because um, uh, he, he had struggled with a hamstring and, and he was called into the game um, probably sooner than we expected him to um, against Sunderland, which was obviously to no avail. Um, so he tweaked his hamstring again. We're hoping that he's going to be fit for tomorrow to take Zaha's place, really. So kind of a like-for-like. Like. When I say like-for-like, like, he's probably... He's probably more. He's got more of an eye for goal than than Wilf has, but but obviously Wilf's uh, more bit more technical than Sacco. So they both give different options. So um, I, I've always considered Sacco to be more of a, a better option away from home because he is uh, built a bit bigger than Wilf and he's a bit harder to push off the ball. Um, it does give us that little bit more uh, ball retention away from home. So hopefully he's going to be fit. Other than that, I think we're going to be face, uh, starting with a very similar lineup. Um, Shamak will be pushing for a starting berth. So, whether Sac- if Sacco's fit or not, then it could be Sh- uh, Shamak that come in to decide um, to play that role behind the striker and uh, Punchin to go out and, and, and place Wolf out wide. So, we've got a few options available to us there. Um, I think the only injuries we've got is, uh, is to. Uh, 
uh, Quasia Pai who's out for the season through injury and also Alex McCarthy who's uh, struggling with, with injury as well um, other than that I think we're okay um, in terms of Everton it, it, it's, it, it's going to be a tough game to be fair Everton will be playing well they're pushing for they're looking like a top six side to be fair they're playing some good football and I think both the form of Lukaku and Delefeu have been excellent this season. It's no, it's no um, coincidence that you know Delefeu returned to their club has really, really helped Lukaku scoring goals. So I think they have a real good. When you watch them play, they seem to have a real good connection and uh, together. So, um, so that was a you know a great signing for Everton to bring them back. Barkley's in great form, so got to be wary of him. Um, they're a good side, and you know away from home, the last two games at Goodison actually in the league, we've won both games three two with Blassi scoring in both games. So. I think Everton will be looking out for Blassie a bit, um, particularly as he scored a couple against Newcastle last week. So he's actually found his shooting boots in, in, in recent weeks. Um, so hopefully he can uh, get a goal or two uh, tomorrow night. But it's promising to be a decent game, actually. So uh, looking forward to it. All right. And uh, this is a bit of a shorter one as we just had the, the two guests on today. But it was an absolute pleasure, guys. Uh, if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Of course, thanks for having me again, guys. Um, I'm Jay, editor of the Eagles Beat. Plenty of great content on the site throughout the week, so go and check it out. We have both Palace Viewpoints and uh, non-Palace Viewpoints. Uh, Dan both writes regularly for us, as well as Kev, which is great. Um, so check out the site and uh, and see what we're up to. Um, we're on Twitter at the Eagles Beak, and I also uh, co-present and co-produce a community football show, which is called Back of the Net. So if you're interested in finding out more about that, then you get us on Twitter at underscore Back of the Net underscore. Yeah, cheers for having me on as always. Um, Jay's just said said it for me. Um, you can find out my uh, my weekly feature on um, on Jay's website, the Eagles Beak, um, and where I talk about the Premier League and the weekend that's gone by. So that'll be online um, either Tuesday or Wednesday. So uh, that'll be it. I'm hoping to start writing for another baggy site soon. So I'll have more info on that as uh, as the time comes. Cheers. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff and my ramblings over at blog.playtalkout.com and theeaglesbeak.com where I have a weekly fantasy article. Uh, so this is a very uh, in-house kind of episode today. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can check out all that stuff there. And as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.